and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today we farewell the voice of tourism. Mm-hmm. But first, happy birthday to us, Chambers. Yay, happy birthday. 50 episodes today. 50 episodes strong. How exciting. And to think, I can't remember what the statistics said, but most podcasts don't actually get past two episodes. Yeah, I think it was two or three, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, really crazy. So here we are, a year and a half down, 50 episodes, not bad. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I've really enjoyed the journey, to be fair. It's been awesome, Michelle. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun and we've pulled in some big names. We've had our Tourism Awards special series this year obviously we did have some time off through the year as well but we have tracked down probably the biggest guest that we've had on the show as a world exclusive we managed to secure some time with none other than the outgoing ceo of tourism industry aotearoa chris roberts for a chat about his time at tia and what he's going to do next stay tuned for this one it's coming up very soon very soon but first Michelle, I believe you've got some stats you want to share with our wonderful listeners, given it is our 50th episode, and it felt like a great time to look at where we've come. So what were the stats? Yeah, well, we thought it would be great to see where everyone came from, how they Mm -hmm. listen into us, and what you out there love listening to most. So this year, we completed 21 episodes, Mm -hmm. 40 interviews, 1,061 minutes of content, which is just over 17 and a half hours. So give yourself a pat on the back if you have tuned in to every one of our (laughs) episodes. We've had 2,000, just over 2,600 of you tune in, and that takes us to well over 5,000 total now. So here's the fun part. These are all of the countries where you come from. And what I've done here is I've taken all of the countries that have had more than five listeners and I've put them into this list. So let's start from the top. New Zealand, Australia, United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Chile, Czech Republic, Germany, Netherlands, Ireland, Japan, Mexico, Serbia, Italy, India, France, Spain, Russia, Colombia, Norway, Romania, Uruguay, and there's eight other countries with fewer than five listeners, plus 35 of you, where we just don't know where you come from. Isn't that incredible? (laughs) That is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. If you're tuning in from outside of New Zealand or even Australia, huge welcome and huge thank you for supporting us and we'd love to actually hear from you so let us know who you are what you love to listen to and who we could maybe interview in your country next year absolutely what a great idea wouldn't that be a whole heap of fun popping over to one of those countries (laughs) to interview i'm not sure how good my russian is but hey we could give it a go give it a go So when we look at the other stats, there's no surprises that we see most of you tune in on a Wednesday because obviously that's when we release our new episodes. But you split your listening across quite a range of different platforms. And this really interested me, Chambers. We've Mm -hmm. got 30% that tune in on Spotify, 
Yeah, 23% on <laughs> Apple, which is me. <laughs> 10.5% on Google Chrome, 8% iHeartRadio, 4.5% Google Podcasts, and 2% on both Amazon Music and Podbean, which is where we host our podcasts. So, yeah, you're everywhere. You're coming from everywhere in the world. You're listening on every different platform. And that's why we love podcasting so much. Absolutely. Wow. That's that's such great stats, Michelle. It's awesome. Yeah, it's good fun going through these. And the other little stat that I thought we'd share is our top three episodes for the year. So Chambers, what do you think they were? Before I tell you, how would you rank them? These are based on number of listens. So the three most listened to episodes of the year. (laughs) Hit me. What do you con- think? <laughs> I have to confess, I did have to go back through my Spotify playlist and go, <laughs> what ones were they? Because <laughs> there was quite a few, as it turns out. Yeah. Anyway, I think uh, Wahini and Wine would be one of the top ones. Yeah. I reckon Sean Marsh talking about how he was 96% international and turning his hand to domestic. That mm-hmm. was a really good one. Yeah. And Matt Stenton, part four of the Tourism Industry Awards series. Mm. Yeah, really good choices there, but you've only got one out of the top oh. three. So um, let's <laughs> go through. <laughs> In third place, we had our Tourism Awards part one. So this yeah. is our first episode back after our six-month break. So obviously, not only was it it had been a long time since everybody had heard from us, but we also kicked off the Tourism Awards uh, special series that we ran. So that was the episode with Eve Lawrence and Altitude Tours. That was in third place. Mm-hmm. Second, you were correct, Wahini and Wine with Lauren Heafy from Christchurch NZ. Absolutely <laughs> great chat. And I think that might have been our first episode for the year. And it was a really fun way just to ease ourselves in. I think we'd all just come back from our holidays and mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty relaxed. And we did enjoy a glass of wine as we were recording that from memory. Yep, <laughs> and, I think so. <laughs> and in first place, the top episode this year for Destinate NZ show is why not a domestic cruise bubble with Deb Summers and Mm. oh I can't believe we're sitting here nearly 12 months later still asking why not a domestic cruise bubble absolutely Michelle that gave me goosebumps actually you know it's really sad that 12 months on it hasn't moved any further forward yeah yeah totally anyway yeah so anyway now it's time for our final interview final guest and final show of the year we are welcoming chris roberts to the show a man who hardly needs any introduction to our listeners as for the past seven and a half years he has represented us advocated for us fought and won for us fought and lost for us yeah has remained calm and upbeat through it all. He's departing his role as Chief Executive at Tourism Industry Aotearoa at the end of January, and this could well be his final interview in the role. Well, I'm going to say it's going to be his final interview that's all about him in in his role. (laughs) Absolutely. And to our listeners, you enjoy this quite candid insight into Chris's career journey and role, and we wish you all the merriest of Christmases. We will be back on the 12th of January, so keep an eye on our social media channels for updates, as we will continue bringing up you the top tourism personalities each and every week. And don't forget, if you feel that you or someone you know should be on the show, 
please visit the podcast page at destinatenz.com and fill out the form and let us know because we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Now we do have quite a few interviews lined up for 2022. Oh, I'm going to have to get used to saying that. But yeah, we have had one suggestion come through and I'm just doing a little bit more research onto that, but send them through because there's people out there that we don't necessarily know or not yeah haven't heard about so we'd love to hear from you but anyway I know you've all come here to listen to Chris so we'll put him on enjoy the show everybody Merry Kirihimeti Merry Christmas and Kakite We feel incredibly honoured to welcome our final guest for 2021 to the show, a man who needs absolutely no introduction. He's been the voice of tourism for the past seven years. Please welcome the outgoing Chief Executive of Tourism Industry, Aotearoa, Chris Roberts. Kia ora, Chris. Kia ora, everyone. Kia ora, Chris. Firstly, how does it feel to be saying goodbye to the industry for now? Yeah, a little strange, I must say. It feels like walking away with uh, the job unfinished. But I guess that was part of my realisation when I made this decision that uh, when COVID hit, there was no question of going anywhere. And it was a job that needed to be uh, seen through to the end. But now the realisation that there is no end point, unfortunately. Yeah. There, are, yeah. there are going to be milestones along the way, but COVID's going to be with us in, in some way or another for a long, long time. So... You know, I just had to make the decision and put a, a date in that, that this is when the end is going to be for this, this current role. And we'll see what happens for myself, along with everyone else in 2022. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. Now, Chris, you've built up a really long list of achievements during your tenure at TIA. And we're talking about things like the Tourism Sustainability Commitment, the Tourism 2025 and Beyond Framework, and of course, the Go With Tourism Programme. When you look back on the last seven years, what are you most proud of? I'm proud of all of those strategic frameworks because I think they're really, really important mm. and, and our industry needs them. And we might get on to the fact that I'm a bit concerned we don't have any strong new framework getting put together at the moment. Yeah. But on a personal level, I'm really proud on uh, where... TIA has got to in terms of uh, embracing tikana and helping lead some industry direction on that. You know, symbolic things like changing our name to Tourism Industry Aotearoa, which we did long before it became trendy. We did that back in 2016. (laughs) You did, Um, yeah. And people still struggle sometimes. Um, You know, one of my last media interviews with Mike Hosking on Newstalk ZB, he managed to introduce me correctly as from Tourism Industry Aotearoa but signed off with me being from Tourism New Zealand, which is the <laughs> that Sorry, even after I? seven years is still happening. But, but beyond just the name change, you know, the team here at TIA have really gone on a cultural competency journey. We've really got a much, much better understanding of, of tikana, of, of te ao Māori. We're more comfortable using te reo. The team here will know a couple of waiata and we'll stand up in front of large groups and sing even though we're not very tuneful so (laughs) I think that personally something I'm I'm really really proud of. Awesome absolutely and good on you well done for um, all of those changes and these strategic plans we really appreciate it so Chris look COVID has consumed your life as much as it has the entire industry for the past 21 months has this been the most challenging time in your career? 
Yeah, it has, I think, pr- prolonged, difficult period. I was looking back on my career, as you do when you're moving on, and um, in some ways I seem to have courted disaster quite frequently. So <laughs> I don't know whether I'm bad luck, but you know, over a long period of time, I've actually been involved with things like the 1987 Edgecombe earthquake, the Auckland power blackout in 2006, also responding to 9-11 when I was working at the Beehive at that time, Pike River Coal, I had quite a close involvement with that that really unfortunate disaster, and then of course involved at TIA in responding to Fakati White Island tragedy, so a lot of crisis management over the years in different roles, but COVID was a different sort of crisis, it wasn't the 48 hour or one week crisis has just rolled mm-hmm. on and on and on. Uh, and I think for all of 2020, it felt like we were operating in crisis mode. So it's yep. certainly been challenging. Yeah, that's for sure. So, Chris, what do you do in your spare time to be able to switch off and just completely relax? Or do you even get any spare time? <laughs> I think. Uh, I talked a lot about that with my wife leading into this um, summer where I am going to have time off and whether I'll actually cope because I'm probably not that good at turning off. I'm a news junkie, but because uh, of this role, um, I look at news with the lens of what does it mean for tourism? Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly looking at the website, the news websites and other and thinking, well, does that have an implication for tourism? Is there a response needed for that? So hopefully I can find a way to actually just read the newspaper for what it's telling me about what's going on in the world without trying to think of the tourism implications. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And do you think there's any upside to COVID? There should be. It will have enforced the need for resilience in our industry and those who have survived are the resilient ones. Uh, There's some brand new information coming out from the tourism satellite account, which is pretty sobering. And that's just for the year to March 2021. Mm -hmm. But 73,000 jobs disappeared in that 12 months period in the tourism industry. Wow. And and that's devastating. And Mm. amongst that is 25% of our owner operators, our tourism proprietors disappeared. So some evidence of the impact on our SMEs in the tourism sector. So those who have managed to hang in there are clearly resilient. And I think we all know tourism will return. We just don't know quite yet. So I think we will have stronger, more resilient businesses as a result. We should be taking this opportunity to address the big issues around infrastructure, workforce, protecting our environment. And there's plenty of talk about us doing that. Mm. Not perhaps as uh, enough action. We went down a bit of a rabbit hole with the Tourism Futures Task Force, which a lot of people in the industry put a huge amount of effort into. It produced a draft report, which was a pretty good starting point. It needed some more work. But we had a change of minister, and for whatever reason, that piece of industry work was parked um, and hasn't gone anywhere. And now yeah. some other things are happening. But yeah, a little bit too much hooey and not enough dewey at the moment. Yeah, that's a real shame because we were all quite excited about that Tourism Futures Task Force. And I remember being at the summit last year, we were talking about that and the report was due not long after. And then we got the news that it had been shelved. So it is, yeah, it is a bit of a shame because there were some really Mm. bright people around that table inputting into that. Mm. It's still a useful reference document. And I know there's, you know, people are aware of it and it does still need to be referenced. I think one of one of the challenges for TIA or whoever takes up my role is, is there a need for the next tourism 2020 for the industry 
took up the challenge back in 2013 and produced its own framework because mm -hmm. the government at the time didn't want to get involved in strategy. Yeah. Uh, and Tourism 2025 has actually proved um, quite sustainable in itself. It's still a really relevant document, but obviously COVID's had a, a big change to the environment. So if we're not satisfied as an industry that the government is providing enough strategic direction, does the industry have to come together and say, right, we now need Tourism 2030 or 30, Tourism 2035, yeah. whatever it might be. It's not the name that matters. It's actually having the framework and framework, putting something yeah. together to guide the industry. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned a challenge there for your successor, but in terms of the industry, what do you see as the biggest challenges still facing the tourism industry? Well, the immediate challenge, and when I say immediate, I think for the next 12 months is reconnecting with the world. Mm. And that reconnection is underway globally. Mm. Uh, there's, there's quite a race on, it's incredibly competitive. And we are sitting at the back of the field um, we haven't even got our race clothes on yet, let alone the yeah. fact that a whole lot of other people have already crossed the start line and are away. So mm. we've got a lot of catching up to do. So that's going to be challenging. And we all know New Zealand is a desirable place to go. And we can't rely solely on that. And that's the danger. Um, mm -hmm. the, the thinking that once we're ready and we open the doors, the world's going to come flooding back in. Well, that might not be the case. They may have already gone somewhere else. And those mm. critical supply lines, essentially aircraft, may not be coming and they will have been assigned to other routes. Yeah. And they can't suddenly be switched off from those other places and brought back to New Zealand if those airlines have decided to go elsewhere. We're incredibly lucky to have Air New Zealand. Yes, yeah. we are. Um, yeah. So that's you know maybe 40% of our international connections protected because they will always fly here. Mm -hmm. But there's a big question mark over that other 60%. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. So moving away from COVID and the challenges, what's been the most fun part of being the CEO of TIA? Oh, working in this industry. I mean, um, people are so passionate, dedicated. Very few people are in this industry to make money, which is just as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have a fantastic time. And I don't know who coined this first. I've used it a lot. I know some other people like Gina Palladini use it, but we're all in the game of delivering fantastic, memorable experiences and creating lifetime memories. And, mm -hmm. and who can go wrong with working in an industry like that. So even in our most recent trip, we managed to take some of our board down to Queenstown, except the ones who were still locked in Auckland. Um, did a familiar trip around Queenstown, beautifully hosted by Destination Queenstown. And just seeing the quality of the products and some new products. You know, people are still investing mm. in new mm. product, doing amazing stuff. Uh, and it's so inspiring just to spend a bit of time with our tourism operators. And you think, well, that's what makes it all worthwhile because you're, you're working with people who are incredibly passionate and they're just creating those lifetime memories for their customers yeah. day in and day out. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And do you have a favourite memory from your time in tourism that you can share with us? <laughs> well, well, if I think of the one that's immediately popped to my head then, um, it's actually not a New Zealand memory. It was the opportunity to go to the Yukon uh, in Canada and speak about sustainable tourism. And that came about oh, wow. from the work that we've done for the tourism sustainability commitment. Blake Roger, who runs the tourism association up there in the Yukon, basically did a Google search looking for someone who might be able to speak about sustainable tourism. 
stumbled across TIA, invited me to go up. When I worked out that it wasn't a scam, uh, <laughs> I, um, I got to travel up to the Yukon, cashed in the offer of the business class ticket and went economy and took my wife and son. And we nice. had the most amazing time in the Yukon. Wow. Probably only known to any of us as um, the host of the Yukon Gold TV show on Discovery Channel. But what an amazing place. And in so many ways, similar to New Zealand, but like scaled up a thousand times. So that was, you know, I got through tourism. I got to go to a place that I would never, ever have gone in a million years. And it's yeah. one of the most special places I've ever visited. Brilliant. Awesome. And then we're guessing that you spend a bit of time in the beehive. So can you give us a little insight what it's like in there? Yeah, and I think for better or worse, I moved across the road a couple of years ago. So I'm, I'm literally <laughs> 150 metres from the beehive now, which means I'm, I can get there pretty quickly at, at short notice. Look, it's a crazy house. I worked there for three years, 20 years ago, and mm -hmm. I decided that you either had to become sort of a lifer working in that place or get out while you were still sane. <laughs> so it is a crazy house, um, but it is full of, of people tr genuinely trying to do the right thing. And that's important to remember. We all get frustrated with ministers and MPs mm -hmm. and officials, but everyone in there works incredibly hard, ridiculously long hours, and they're all trying to do their best. Some are more competent than others at doing that, but you have to recognize that they are they're trying to make a difference. So I've learned the role with the punches there that you you just put your best foot forward, you make your case, and you won't always get the way and celebrate the wins when someone does listen to you and you do get a good outcome. Bite your lip and count to 10 when <laughs> things go wrong and express your disappointment. Make sure they know that the sudden border tax announcement on budget mm. night, going back a few years, John Key was a Minister of Tourism at the time. He knew that we were pretty gutted by that decision but it was a done thing there was no point destroying the whole relationship he noted our severe disappointment and we moved <laughs> right on. on so yeah. that's just how you've got to manage it yeah, yeah, that's probably good advice for a lot of us out yeah. there to, when things don't go our way. But Chris, how would you like your tenure as CEO of TIA to be remembered? I think as just someone who personally and who led a team that just wanted to make a difference for the industry every day. And it might be a small win for a particular operator, or it might be a step towards a, a major strategic change or putting in place something like the Tourism Sustainability Commitment which I hope will still be relevant in 10, 15 years time. So yeah, just that we here and we have built a culture that is just all about making a, a real difference for our members, for the industry and for Aotearoa. We want and we genuinely believe that we can have the most sustainable tourism industry and most sustainable tourism sector in the world. There's no reason why we're not there yet. We're fairly good but there's a lot more to be done and and I think we can get there so remembered for maybe maybe just setting setting the scene for future achievements that are yet to be to be reached awesome yeah and do you think Chris that we'll see you back in the tourism industry at some stage <laughs> I I hope so actually I mean when you announce you're leaving people say where you're going you must have plans and the fact is I don't <laughs> I have plans to go to the beach yeah, I plan great. to single-handedly try to support the tourism industry over <laughs> January and February. <laughs> um, but I'm really not sure what, 
will happen next year. And I've been through a bunch of different industries over my career, but I certainly have a, a, a real soft spot for tourism now. And I would like to stay involved in tourism if it works out that way. So I can be blatant and say anyone listening to this who um, needs a board member, an advisory person, needs some project work done. If I can, I can pull together enough of those sort of bits and pieces, then I could reach I could out follow on the example of some amazing people like Dave Bamford and, and be around for a long time yet yes. providing some service. Yes, Thanks, he man. is a good role model to base yourself on there. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was a pleasure to give Dave Sir Jack Newman yeah. Lifetime Achievement uh, Award this year because he is incredible and he's far from retiring yet, yeah. still going strong and just contributed so much right across the industry for so long. Yes, I know. Yeah. I always think of that award as somebody who is probably a little bit closer to retirement. And I thought, oh, have I missed something? But no, <laughs> Dave will be around, I think, longer than most of us. So he is a legend and it was really well deserved. So, Chris, have you got one piece of advice that you would give to your successor coming into this role? Breathe deeply and don't expect to have everything go your way. So that advice I I gave about going to the beehive and not always getting what you achieve. The same happens with, with every, all of our stakeholders. And TIA has so many stakeholders. We report mm. to a board. We report to our members. We report to the wider industry. And sometimes government thinks we should be reporting to them, even though we're <laughs> private. And then there's the media. And you never win all the time with the media. And I think I've had the advantage of having come started my career as a journalist. Yeah. I understand how they work. And there's no point getting grumpy when they misreport you or the mm. angle of the story is not what you wanted. You just roll with that, wait for the next opportunity to, to clarify the position, get it corrected or, or, or um, get something else through. And, and I've worked really hard to build those relationships with the key media. And if they're factually wrong, I'll pull them up on it. But yeah. if they've just chosen to go with an angle we don't like, well, that's... Mm -hmm. It's just the way of the world. So I think for any new CEO coming in, yeah, everything, nothing will always go perfectly well. Um, but in the end, you want to retain TIA as a trusted partner for all its stakeholders and as a respected voice for the industry. That's incredibly important. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Okay, so it's time for a little bit of fun now as we wrap up the episode. It's been a while, but in our earlier episodes, you probably heard we did a quick fire quiz with our guests. <laughs> nice. And we thought that it was a perfect way to end not only our chat with you, but also our year as this is our final episode for 2021. So you just need to answer the first thing that pops into your head. There is no wrong answer. It sounds dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Chambers, kick us off. <laughs> okay, say so Chris, North or South Island? North. Beer or wine? Beer. <laughs> Mountains or ocean? Oceans. Favourite hosted experience or famil? Because it was the most recent, it's popped in my head, and that's the helicopter line flying us up to the top of the Remarkables just a mm -hmm. few weeks ago. Yeah. Nice. Favourite tourism experience as a guest with your family? Milford Sound overnight cruise. Nice. You're nice. And your favourite place in New Zealand? Ohopi Beach, which is, I grew up and spent, I've spent, feels like half my life on Ohopi Beach and I'll be spending a good chunk of it this summer <laughs> there as well. Nice. Awesome. And when we can fly overseas again, where's the first place you'll head off to for a holiday? 
Depends whether I win the argument with my wife or not. She's very keen to go to France and the UK to see friends. Mm-hmm. And, and we will do that at some point. But one place more locally that I've never got to is North Queensland and the Great Barrier Reef. Mm-hmm. And I want to see it before it's destroyed. So, yeah, those two trips, Europe and hopefully North Queensland. Oh, that's a tough choice. I'd recommend both of those. I think you just need to find time. (laughs) And a little bit of a cheeky one for the last one, your favourite tourism minister. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll say actually Paula Bennett because just got to like her personality and she's not everyone's cup of tea, but what you see is is what she is Mm -hmm. in person and she did take a genuine interest in, in tourism and I do remember t- turning up to one of our conferences um, to speak and she'd been given a, r- a written speech by MB and uh, as she came in I said has that speech got lots of tourism stats and information about the tourism <laughs> industry and she said yep I said you're coming into a room where everyone knows that stuff and she said oh yeah you're probably right so she threw away the speech and just spoke off the cuff Brilliant. And she told some tall tales about her time as a, I think, working for the Jollies. Jolly, uh, Chris and, Jollies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as a, yeah, as a guide in Lake Topo and some of the horrendous made-up stories, she said. <laughs> we've, we've moved on a long way in our professionalism since those days. Um, no, she was good fun and, and actually yeah. took a real interest in tourism. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. It goes without saying that we wish you all the very best for the future. And we do hope that we will see you again. To make the most of summer with your family and enjoy that beach and well-earned rest and recharge. Thank you so much. And Chris, thank you on behalf of our industry. And I'm sure that I can talk on behalf of everybody today and saying you've been an exceptional leader and advocate for our industry, not just during COVID, but the whole past seven years in your role at TIA. And we really do wish you all the very best. Look, it's yeah. been a pleasure, a pleasurable seven and a half years despite all the challenges. I don't think there's ever been a day when I've not wanted to get up and work f- for this industry because um, it is so special. And I-, I know we'll get through these current troubling times, mm-hmm. a few more bumps in the road yet, but our industry will be back uh, better and brighter than ever. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Merry Christmas and kakite. Kakite. Kakite.